So let's look at some scripture about next, okay? And, and here in the book of Matthew, chapter 2. Okay, now listen. This is not the very next day after Jesus Christ was born. I wish we had a diary, you know, if we'd had Joseph's diary, you know, that he was chronicling. We don't have Joseph's diary, okay? So I do not know what happened on the very next day per se. But the next thing we know about Joseph, and there's not a lot written about Joseph, the, the, the earthly father of Jesus Christ. Not a lot written about him, but what we do have written about him tells us boatloads and boatloads of stuff about him, okay? So let's, let's look at some of these verses right here in chapter 2, verse 13, uh, 14 and 15. When they had gone, uh, and, and this is talking about when the wise men had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. <coughs> Get up, he said. Take the child, talking about Jesus and his mother, Mary, and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. Why? Because Herod is going to search for Jesus to kill him. Because Herod was nervous that they were already calling Jesus as a baby. They were calling him uh, the, the king of the Jews. And so he was worried about that. So he wanted to kill the baby. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother during the night and left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. In the Old Testament, there was a prophecy where, and where the prophet said God is going to call his son out of Egypt. And this was prophesied to let, to let us know this was going to happen. Okay, so that happened. Now, verse 19 through 23. This is a few verses down. After Herod had died, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream again while he was there in Egypt and said, you can get up now, take the child Jesus and his mother Mary and go to the land of Israel for those who were trying to take the child's life are now dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning in Judea in place of his father Herod, that's dream, he withdrew to the son was reigning there. He was afraid to go there. And having been warned in a dream, he withdrew to the district of Galilee and he went and lived in a town called Nazareth. So another place. Actually, maybe where he wanted to go. He didn't go home necessarily. He had to go to another place. And so was fulfilled what was said through the prophets that he would, or he would, he would, again, there was an Old Testament prophecy that was given that said he would be called a Nazarene or he would, he would come from Nazareth. And that was said about Jesus. Okay. So, so here's what I know about Joseph on the day after Joseph had a lot of cleaning up to do. He had a lot of bills to pay and he had a lot of things to take care of. You know, okay, here's, here's how I know these things is because I saw in those verses that I just read that Joseph was a guy, he would man up when it was time to man up. He was not sitting somewhere not taking care of business. He was taking care of business, okay? We see that. You know, it's like a, a, there, I said Joseph had some, some cleaning up to do. You know, it, it seemed like it began... It be, came a tradition at my house that even while we are at my mom and dad's house once I got married that even while we were still unwrapping gifts and presents my dad would get a box or he'd get a bag and he'd start picking up the trash and picking up the, I guess because he knew he was going to have to do it later anyway but something I've noticed over the past couple of years it seems like dad is beginning to pass that off and, and just sit in the recliner and kind of enjoy watching us clean up a little bit there but okay but there's something to there's something to pay attention to right there dads you know if you want somebody to do it you can do you can do two things you can either demand that they do it or you can show them how it's done. You know, pick up a bag and show them how, pick up a bag and show them how it's done. Here, here's a first little thought for you is, is that making a baby does not make you a dad. Making a baby does not, does not put you in and does not 
is not the same thing as becoming a father and acting as a father. Now we've heard that said in a whole lot, a whole lot of different ways, but making a baby makes no one a dad. And we've got a lot of baby makers out, but we need some dads in this, in this culture we're living in today. We need some fathers, some fathers who won't just demand, do this, do this, do this, but some fathers who will pick up a bag or who will pick a box and say, let me show you how it's done, son. Let me show you how it's done, daughter. And not just those things, but all the other things in life. I, I, I am literally amazed. And this, this goes back to my, my years as a, as a youth pastor back in the, in the late 80s, in the early, uh, well, really just the late 80s, you know, when I remember hearing, hearing parents and, and how parents were saying, well, they're kids and they're going to do, and, and I don't understand that. You know, I don't understand that they're living in your house and they're teenagers and they're doing, and you say, well, they're kids and they're going to do, you know, I, I'm, I, I'll be some rules. We need for beating your child. I'm not an advocate for one of those things, but there are supposed to be some rules. We need some men. Oh, come, somebody help me. Am I off base here? Am I supposed to go wrong here? We need some men to man up and say, no, this is the way life is supposed to go. This is the way it's supposed to happen. The reason our kids don't know is we're not watching, we're more. We're not manning up, we're sitting back and we're just watching, we're letting it all happen. I mean, I'd really like to tell you some of the stupid things that I've heard parents, stupid, but I'm afraid maybe some of you have said those things and your kid's gonna hear this and say, Daddy just called you stupid. I don't want you dad, you know, your kids to hear me say that. But I've heard some parents say some stupid things. They are not going to learn how to walk God's walk from the, from the world. They are not going to learn how to walk in righteousness from this culture out there. They are not going to learn it in school. The only way they are going to learn it is to watch their moms and their dads do it. Dad, it's time we man up again. And take the, take, take the example of Joseph, amen, yeah. Good amen there. It's time we man up again and start being an example that our kids can follow. You know, he was there, Joseph was there at the moment. Joseph probably gave birth to this child. I mean, as far as delivered this child, didn't give birth, but delivered this child. He probably helped deliver the, you know, uh, unless they found a midwife in the middle of the night that would come to a stable and deliver. Joseph was having to deliver this child. He was there. He was holding the baby in the middle of the night. He was, he was you know, taking care of Mary and all of those things. If, if they'd had Polaroids back in those days, I'm sorry, smartphones, camera phones for, for uh, those of you who are under 20, 25. If they'd had Polaroids back in those days, he would have been in the baby pictures, you know, like I am in the baby pictures, you know, holding, you know, holding my, my son and holding my daughter when they were first born. He would have been in the baby pictures. But being in the baby picture is not what's important. Being in the baby's life is what's important. Being in that child's life, the rest of their life is what's important. And that's what we see with Joseph. Because what do we see with Joseph? We see Joseph in the middle of the night saying, somebody wants to kill your son. And what do we see him doing? We see him getting up and moving. Where? To Egypt, to another country. He's got to get a house. He's got to get a job. He's got to make new friends. He's got to find his way. They are aliens. They are Jews in Egypt. They are aliens, and he's got to find all of those things and do all that. And then when Herod dies, he comes back, and as he comes back, he's got to get another job. He's got to get another house and, and, and not even go back to the place that he wants to go. And you think about all the details. Can you imagine moving? 
Your family, right now, you get, you get word in the middle of the night, you got to move your family to another kind of more stuff. You got to pick them up and you can go. Now, it's a lot harder today, probably in some ways, because we got a whole lot hard enough to go just the three of all our stuff. They didn't have the luxury of stuff because it was hard enough to go just the three of them and what they could gather and put on the back of a donkey. It was, it was not knowing what he was going to do just to do that. Yet he got him up in the middle of the night, not knowing where he was going, not what, knowing what he was going to do. As far as we know, they don't have any family there. He has no contacts there. He's a man who wanted to be. Tells me is he was not a man who just wanted to be smiling in the pictures. He was a man who wanted to be in his kid's life. And you remember this. That Joseph didn't even make this baby. That the Holy Spirit came on Mary and she became pregnant with child of God. And Joseph was not even the, the father of this baby, yet this is the way he treated it. Now, there may be some of you have, have never heard that. Maybe some of you never heard that, that the Holy Spirit that made Mary pregnant, made her with child. That that's what the scripture means, that you shall be with child of the, of the Spirit of God. That this is what happened to her. And some of you may have never heard that. And some of you have heard it and you said, no, I, I, I've heard other people say that that just didn't happen. But for this point here today, here's what I want you to get, okay? Is that even if you don't believe that happened, that's what Joseph believes happened. Because that's what was written. That's what Joseph, so Joseph believes that was happened, but Joseph knows this isn't my baby. Yet still he's manning up and he's doing what needs to be done. And if he can do it, then the rest of us can as well. If he can do it, then the rest of us can as well. And you look, and all those details of all that stuff that he has to do to move his family, to get the job, to get a house, and all the things that you have to do to, to, to set up a life in another country because he was where he was supposed to be. Did you, did you see, and I kind of made a little bit of an emphasis point at the end of both of those passages of Scripture. Did you see what, what it said? It said prophecy was fulfilled two different times. Everything you do as a dad is important because God has a prophecy for your kid. He has, there, there is some awesome dream that God has for your child. And you know when it begins, it doesn't begin 10 years from now. If your child is a year or two, it doesn't begin 10 years from now. It begins right now. It begins in 2016. It is a next time for every one of us. And God, Jeremiah 29, 11, God has plans. And another place in Jeremiah, God says, when I was forming you in your mother's womb, before all your members were written, I was doing this. I was putting you together. I was forming who you would be. God has dreams for your child. And so everything you do, all these little mundane tasks that Joseph would probably say, man, why do I have to go through this? Why do I have to do this? And I'm you know, having to get a job. I have to you know, transfer papers and whatever, all the stuff that he had to go through to do, to, to move to Egypt, to get a job in Egypt, to get a house in Egypt. And thinking like, you know, all I'm doing this for is just to, to, to save or just to rescue the child, just to save his life. But what he was doing even more through these mundane tasks is he was setting the child up for the prophecies that were given over him, for the dream that God had for him. So when, when you're going through your daily details of all the stuff that you do, dad, and you're, you're doing the things that you, don't, you think really doesn't matter. Ten years from now, what's really going to matter? Everything you do is important because everything you do is either going to put your child in the place of fulfilling the dream that God has for them or it's going to put them in a place where they don't even know about the dream. 
And it is your job, Dad. I mean, that's one of, the, one, one of your top priorities is to be the, be the dream keeper in your home. And to tell that kid, tell that child, tell that son, tell that daughter, remind them over and over and over, you have something awesome to do for Jesus Christ. And that doesn't begin one day, that begins now. It's time now. That it doesn't, if, if, they're, if they're two months old, go sit in by their crib while they're sleeping and just tell them you have something awesome. If you want to make up a song, make up, I've done it, make up a song and sing it in the middle of the night. You say, well, they're asleep and they didn't even make, understand English. Well, that's not, that's not what all these, all these psychologists and everything, they're telling us, you know, to, to pour things into them, play music to them even before they're born. They're telling us to do that. Then why aren't we also praying? praying prayers over them while they're asleep? Why are we speaking to them the name of Jesus? And let, let them, let one of the first words they know not just be dad, dad, or mama, but let it be Jesus. And you are the dream keeper. You are the chief dream keeper, dad. So man up. Get back in there. And if your kids are 12, 14, it's not too late. If they're 40 and they don't know Jesus, it's not too late. But you and I need to talk after service. We need to we need to get breakfast together or something because it's going to take more than just crawling into their room and just whispering the name of Jesus as they sleep. It's going to take more than that. But man up, Dad, because they're worth it. Now, and let me say this to all the, everybody, whether you're a dad or not, and, and listen, before I, before I leave that completely, let me just say, some of you are not dads yet, but you're going to be one day. Get ready right now. I am going to be a man like Joseph. I'm going to be a man like Joseph. I'm going to lead my family. I'm not going to tell the pastor all those excuses that he says he's heard from other people. I'm going to man up. I'm going to be the man. But let me say to every one of us, Jesus has already been born. Okay? Y'all know that, right? Over 2,000 years ago. This story we talk about that we sing about, you know, and all, everything comes at Christmas. He's already here. He's already been here. He's already lived. He grew up 30-something years later. He died on the cross of Calvary, died for your sin. Three days later, he gets up out of the grave so that you don't have to live in the grave for eternity. You can actually live eternally with him. He's already done all of that. Uh, the next morning, the day after Jesus is born, there's not anything else to do to bring Jesus into the world. Right? You understand what, what I'm saying there? Joseph has already embraced the child Jesus. There's nothing else to do. He does not have to pay another dime uh, for travel to get them to that place. He doesn't have to pay, uh, you know, like for your children. You don't have to pay another dime for, you know, it's, it, it's already paid for. There, it, it's, that's done. There is no more labor. Mary is done with her labor. The child has been delivered. She is done with the labor. There is no more. And they have held the child. They don't have to do one single more thing to embrace the child. They have already embraced the child. But for the grandparents to embrace the child, for the to embrace the child, it was going to cost some money because they had to travel back. Because, and it was going to cost some labor because, as I was saying earlier, it was not, you know... It, when you have to drive somewhere for Christmas and, and you say, oh man, it's, it, you know, it's a pain and whatever, you just don't understand what it's like, what, what Joseph's day after was ripped. When he, whenever they made that trick, not, not the one we were reading about earlier, when they made that trick, there, you, you just don't even really understand what it was really like. 
there was labor. And, and for us, we have also embraced Christ today. Many times in our life we've had that opportunity, but, but, but just for this moment, right here today, we have embraced Christ in, in, the, in the worship. And, and if you didn't take advantage of that, we always do one final song at the end of the service. I want, I want you to make up your mind you're going to do that today. I'm going to embrace Christ today. Embrace him. You have the opportunity. You are here. And you don't have to pay a dime. You don't have to, to labor at all for anything to embrace the child today. But for others to know Jesus, for others to embrace him, for others to, to welcome him, for others to know who he is, for others to, to, to know Jesus like you know Jesus, it, 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 it does. It costs. And there is a labor for that. And here's another reason why I love my church is because many of you understand that and you're paying, you know, you're paying the price and you're doing the labor that needs to be done. There are people every Sunday morning. Let me say it now. There are people that are here at 8 a.m. every Sunday morning. Rolls that big door up right there and they unload a big white trailer. Those same people, about 15 minutes after you guys, many of you have left, those same people are going to roll that door back up and they're going to take all this stuff off the stage they're going to put it back on that white trailer. And another group of people have unloaded a black trailer, set up all of that, and after service, they're going to load that black trailer back up. People who have set up chairs, sometimes they have to, I think a lot of times they have to set up these chairs for you to sit in. They do it before I get here. I'm really not sure. I know sometimes they do. I'm not sure how often they do. But I know they have to many times set up these chairs. Somebody is embracing this, that this is important, and they're willing to pay the cost and to do the labor. Why? Not so. I've got Jesus. I've got Jesus. If we never have another service as Church 2911, I'm, I'm going to embrace Jesus again next week too. I'm going to embrace him again and again and again and again. But there's somebody else out there that has never embraced him, and that's why we do it. And in 2016, let me tell you about next in 2016. You see, because if this is your church, if this is your church, then you need to embrace this too. Is that somebody else needs to embrace Jesus and you need to embrace your part of doing that. And listen, I, I'm not saying you can't be a member here. You can't uh, be a regular attender here if you don't give and pay tithes and, and get involved. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying, I'll say this, and I say this all the time. It's not the first time if you're a first-time attender. Listen, if this church, this, if this church, I got to be a part of doing what they're doing. I got to be a part of this. If this church doesn't get you so passionate that you've got to do something, then go for you need, because you know what? You need to attend a church that you brag about. You need to attend a church that makes you say, I, I believe in this vision. I believe I want to be a passion that the pastor has. I believe in the dream that has been given there. And I, I, I want to be a part. I don't want to just sit and just watch what they're doing. I want to be a part. You need to be a part of a church like that. And, and, and listen, I really intended to say some things here, thinking it would be more home folks today. So... But I'm saying, listen, if you're a home folk and you're not, start with a dollar a week, whatever you can start, because you need to be a part of this. Because the Word of God says nobody, nobody should come appear before God empty-handed. No, no one should appear empty-handed. Do something and get involved some way. When you walk, you know, 
When I walk into my mom's house on Christmas Day, you know, if, if there's a chair, because, we, you know, we got quite a few grandkids, her, great, her and dad's great grandkids. And if there's a chair turned over, you know, I don't walk around and find mom and dad and say, hey, y'all got a chair turned over in the living room y'all need to go pick up. You know what I do? I'm part of the family. I go pick up the chair, right? You know what? When you walk in and you pitch in, get it. Next is happening. Next week is happening. It is your opportunity. 2016 is your opportunity. And you are going to hear in 2016 how much more you need to be involved in this. Because you know what? There are rewards. There are blessings. Amazing things that happen because we're part of what God is doing. And I, and I, I more than invite you, I more than encourage you, I admonish you, I'd say please, for the sake of your family, for the sake of your blessings and the dream that God has for you, I say you need to be involved in it. Get, out of, get off the fringe, get out of the fringe, and get involved. And if it's not this church, get involved somewhere. The tractor, go find the place that cranks your tractor. Some place, I mean, if, I, if this don't crank your tractor, go find the place that cranks your tractor. And say, I gotta be a part of that. But you can't, like me, need to be a part of a church that you are so excited about that you can't, like me. You might not bring it up all the time, but when the door opens, anybody need to be a part of it. Yeah, let me tell you about my church. You need to be a part of a church. Does everybody need to be a part of a church that they brag about? Amen. They sure do. Okay, let me, one last little thing here, and we'll be closing. Somebody else had a day after. And this is in the book of Luke, chapter 2, verse 17, 18. You remember those shepherds watching their sheep? An angel appears and tells them all about Jesus being born in the stable, laid in a manger. That's how you're going to be able to find him. He'll be laying in a manger with his mom and dad. And verse 17 and 18 said, When they had seen Jesus, after they had come to the stable, when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. The shepherds had a story to share, didn't they? So do you. I mean, we, we look at their story and say, and angels appeared to them. Oh, what a story. That, and then they came, and they actually saw Jesus laying there, and it was obvious. I mean, you, you come into the presence of the Son of God. You know when you've been in the, It's happened to you right here, you know. When, when, you, when you just feel, and you come into his presence, and you know, oh, wow. For, I hope for most of you, you know what it's like to enter his presence, even, even in your home or, or driving down, down the street in your car. You know what it's like. These, these shepherds, they, did, they weren't just going on faith that, yeah, I believe he's the child. When they stepped into his presence, there was no doubt. We are in the presence of the child that we have been looking for. And when they left, man, they had a story to share. They had, they had amazing things to tell. But so do we. Every one of us. We do. What's your story? I, I want you to think, just, and I'm going to invite you down front in just a second, but just before we come down front, I want you to think, I want you to think, what is your story? What is the story that you have? Because I think a lot of times, you know, we, 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 um, you know, we get caught up in, yeah, man, life is beginning to get good. 
involved and church is blessing me and things that, you know, people are saying to me in small group and helping me, and, you know, and getting involved through this Christmas, thousands of dollars at Royal Chicks and ministering to all these families that we've ministered to this Christmas, thousands of dollars that have been spent, uh, have been raised and been spent to do these things. And it's a man, it's just, and we get caught up in that. And sometimes we don't just stop for just a moment and say, wait a minute, let, let me think, what is my story? Because some of you have the story that your life was dead end and you were standing at the dead end. And it's not fixed yet. It's not perfect yet. But God has turned everything around. He's helped you make a 180 and you are now headed in the right direction. I'm telling somebody's story and I'm being very generic so that I'm not sharing details, okay? But that's several of your story today. Others of you, you've been hearing whispers in your ear for now two years. Layoff, layoff. You better find another job. You're not going to have this one much longer. You've been hearing that over and over. And what has happened is God has still been faithful. You still had a good Christmas because you still got a job. And a lot of the people I'm thinking of right now, you still got a good job. I'm telling somebody's story right there. You want me to throw in the details so you know I'm talking to you? How about I leave those out so that we don't just get involved in everybody's personal stories today and you just fill in the details and say, yeah, that's me. I am so stinking blessed. Oh, can you pause just a moment and just wonder? Wonder, W-O-N, wonder. Can you just wonder about this Christ child? Some of you, have, you've, you've, been, you've been friend bankrupt. You have been in a place where you had nobody, ever, nobody wanted, you didn't have real friends. You had people you could talk to on Facebook, but you didn't have any friends. And God has just opened a door for you through 2911, uh, small groups or something. And now today, your life is beginning to be full, to be complete because of the relationships that God is putting in you. You have people today who are not encouraging you to go places you shouldn't go or to do things you shouldn't do or to be, be things you shouldn't be, who are trying to change you into something else. You have people today who, who are encouraging you. And even if they're not using the words right out of the scripture, they are encouraging you to become exactly what God wants you to be. You've got that all around you. And I'm leaving details out again, but that is several of you. That's your story today. And there are some of you today that, that you, you almost quit. You almost quit. You, you listened to the voices. You listened to the people around you. You saw others and, and for whatever reason, and you almost quit. But there was that one thread, that thread, that scarlet thread of redemption from the blood of Jesus Christ that just would not let you go. And you held in there. And you're still hanging on. And you're still hanging on. And you're there. And you're still hanging on. And, God, and God's letting you know, isn't he? I'm not finished with you. 2016 is going to be better than 2015. There is a next coming for you. And I'm leaving details out, okay? I could, be, I, I, I could name some names here, but I'm leaving details out because I want you to fill in the details because that's your story. That's several of you. That's your story. That's what God is doing for you. It's almost lost, almost gone. And yet just like Joseph, seemingly in the middle of the night without any warning, maybe at the last minute, it's like God does something in your spirit to say, come back. Why are you here today? 
What are you doing here today? What are you doing in a church service today? You are not here by accident. Think about your story. Think about those people sitting around you right now. Think about where they would be today, especially you dads and you moms, if you didn't have your story. The shepherds had a story, you've got a story. Think about where they will be if you fail to keep your story. Embrace it, hold it, keep it.